Off the ball. Somebody says this is bizarre radio. Ice cream on a pancake. Tuna. <laughs> He's brought shame to the whole town, village where he Subscribe lives. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the ball daily. All right, I'm delighted to say we've got Anthony Nash back with us. Anthony, a good afternoon to you. How are you? Doing great. How are you keeping? Congratulations on a Fitzgibbon Cup win last weekend. Yeah, yeah, great win. Yeah, spoke to you before. Um, as I said during the show, like they were a super bunch of lads. Um, we finally got the performance we were looking for uh, in the final, which is the perfect time for us. But uh, yeah, great win, great win. It's the first time you will have done back to back Fitzgibbon, so uh, a nice occasion, and uh, the players well deserved it. Were you with the team last year as well? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was with the team last year as well. Yeah, so uh, and what's it's nothing to do with me. No, by the way, I'm not, not self promoting here. Like, no, no. We're, I, what what is your actual role with it? Because it's kind of interesting to, uh, given that we were chatting about your your coaching journey. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do at UL? Yeah, coaching and coaching and selector. Yeah, coaching and selector with the lads. Like, so uh, there's five of us in the management team then as well, and top of S and C and stuff like that. No, like, it, no, to be fair, it's not as hands on uh, as other teams that I was saying to you last week. Like, we would have met. Probably once a week, um, and then it's just maybe making contact with players in between, just kind of making sure they're okay and making sure that they're happy off the managements and the other counties that you know that they're basically happy to be left go and play and stuff like that, and just just being there for them really. Yeah. Did you play Fitzgibbon when you were? I did. Up? I played. Yeah, I played Fitzgibbon. I actually wrote a piece in it there this week again. Like so, I did. Um, I played with CIT. I, I was Van Wilder in college. I spent seven years in college, um, so I don't know if you've seen the movie. Um, but I was in CIT for four years, and then I went down and to UCC. Then, and in my four years of CIT, we didn't even win a fifth game, unfortunately. And then, uh, my two year, the two years I played in UCC, we got the semi final, and we won the Fitzgibbon in 2009 with Paul O'Connor, the late Paul O'Connor as manager. Um, so it was a great experience. Like you know, um, it was unbelievable. Actually, it was one of the most pleasurable times of hurling in my life why um, do you know it's something I tried to bring to you well as well like is like no pressure like you know what I mean there's always pressure you go to the field of course you want to win but uh, I said look unfortunately Paul passed away a few years after but he just made us feel like it was just a special team and that you know the thing about Fitzgibbon like is that you're never going to have tens of thousands of people at it you might even have a thousand at it it's all family and friends so he made the group a tight knit group as well and you know just made us want to win it for ourselves and like like what I found in when I became an inter-county player only and not college it was uh, it, it probably doesn't mean as much to the people in the outside um, but just making people feel special about it and seeing the family and friends after the match last day like everybody was taking the cup taking the picture and it was either uh, boyfriends, girlfriends family, friends do you know what I mean like that was there like so it was, it's, uh, it's a, I think it's a wonderful competition and I'm big into the history of competitions like I loved the Railway Cup I loved the long puck in the Cooley Mountains and I loved the Fitzgibbon, you know. So that was that was the whole thing about my article this week, like just about how we need to protect competitions like already after losing the Railway Cup. It's funny because um, for all the the uh, lack of record keeping within the GAA about the individual stats, I think all of us have books at home where there's like, you know, yellowed pages, frayed pages and it's like uh, 1888 All-Ireland Final mm-hmm. and the scoreline between uh, Tip and Galway. And it's just the type of thing that you like when you're a kid, if you're into it, you end up spending loads of time on it. So I can only imagine if you're any good and then you actually get to play in these competitions, what that all means yeah. to you. I played the Railway Cup was one of the biggest honours of my life. Like both my families are involved in GA deep down, like my uncles would have played Railway Cup as well. And like it was just when I got called up, I actually, play, ironically, like it's a quiz question. I played Railway Cup before I played inter-county hurling because between inter-county goalkeepers playing with their clubs, or uh, injuries, whatever like that. I was called up one year to play for the Railway Cup. It was mad. Like I was like 
third choice goalkeeper in Cork yet I was in goals for the Munster Railway Cup team so I had an experience of that and then when I finally got into goal I got to represent it and we won it as well um, but it was just like getting put on the Munster jersey like you said there second, it made me feel like a child again like it was just so cool like and I got to train under Liam Sheedy and Tommy Dunn trained us one year and it was just class like you know just to experience the other players from the other dressing rooms in as well and uh, I, I look calendars are going to dictate this again but I, I'd, I'd love to see it back because as a player I absolutely adored playing for Munster and I thought it was just one of the biggest honours of my career can we go back to your uh, eternal career in college? And uh, so six, year, six years of Fitzgibbon. Was seven, it, six, seven. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they not yeah. Se- no, sorry, seven years in college, six years in Fitzgibbon because they tried to suspend me for the last year. Or like I tell you, I could tell you a story here. Like you know, it's just I went back because I wasn't seen to be progressing in college. So I did a master's in my sixth year. And then I decided to become a teacher. So I went back doing a higher diploma. So I was actually seen to be regressing in college, going from a master's to a postgrad. So they, they suspended me and they tried to suspend me for Cork and Cantork as well. So it was a bit of a, a bit of panic in my end there. So I didn't get to play my seventh year. Whoa. OK. Uh, I was wondering, did they actually change the rules so you can't play a certain number of, of years? Mm. But uh, there's, so there's a Nash rule in third level competitions as well, is there? Oh, stop. Jesus, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember like it was the only time I sat in Crow Park. I've never been sent off right like that and I was sitting across the table from a guy that was trying to suspend me for club county the whole lot and I was like I'll never do well in a, in a court case anyway I'll tell you that because the sweat <laughs> was pouring over me like I was staring across this guy who I thought was trying to end my career like um, but I look I, I couldn't play fits but I got away with playing club in college because it was a different uh, a different rule for different competitions so but yeah I was no good I'll never be any good anyway in a, in a court case that's good we, we know you're telling the truth didn't we, we, definitely, yeah. we definitely know you're telling the truth because last week you were telling us as well that you know you're becoming a much calmer individual on the sideline oh, you're sure. really learning Jesus from your mistakes Christ. and then I think I, we have some footage uh, yeah. here from TG Carr what's happening here yeah yeah uh, what's happening here is Ronan Curran pre-recorded the feckin' thing anyway and sent it on to me as well and sent it into the 20s management group so there was just look quick conversation of a disagreement and I suppose restraints were brought in and stuff like that just things were a little bit hot under the collar um, but yeah look it, again I'm learning George. I'm learning <laughs> so I didn't encroach in the field that's the one thing I said to you but the sideline was a little different yeah you need to um, uh, develop a mantra some kind of you know uh, deeper level of meditation or something I told you follow the NFL right so the Rams coach is basically pulled off the pulled off the field he's got a pull guy that basically pulls him off the field when the referees are running up down the sideline I think I need to have someone in the sideline just to hold on to me and just tell me shut up really I think is what I probably need um, but yeah no look there was nothing so you think of thing of nothing to be honest but um, just like but I don't know I don't know who the guy was from Galway like but uh, just I just get so involved, you know what I mean? Like, I, I too, like, and as a selector and coach or manager, whatever I want to be in the future, like, you cannot do that, like. Um, well, that's what you were saying, that, too involved. that the pressure, like, yeah. I don't know if it's pressure, but, like, obviously you're mad into it, and so therefore you want to keep going yeah. with it, and you want to go as far as you absolutely can, but at the same time, if this is going to hold you back in any way from actually being your very best person, and mm. so being calm in the moment of the last 10 game, 10 minutes of an All-Ireland final sometime where yeah, you've got yeah. to make changes, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, like to me, see, my problem at the moment is you have to like you disengage. Like people might listen in and think I'm talking rubbish. Like that Fitzgibbon win, it meant a lot to me. Don't get me wrong, but it's, the reason I do it is to join the players' faces after the game to see their smiles and see like I I developed a good bit of friendship there um with those players like and just got off the phone to Brian Amara from Tip actually just I found out he's going working in Cork next year so I'd love to have to help him out that way do you know what I mean like it's like it, it's something that I, I like to do with players build a relationship with them and I wanted it to win for them so like obviously when someone comes on the sideline and says something that I disagree with or says something about one of the players then I just 
I lost it, like, do you know what I mean? Like, and I was kind of arguing him back, like, no, there was never going to be any physical tussle because, as I said to you last, I wouldn't beat my way out of a paper bag, like, you know. But it's just when, when a fella says something about one of your players, you're kind of getting, I have to learn to just ignore that and get on. But look, it's, look, I'm a juvenile in, in the aspect of the sideline, like, you know, I'm still learning as I go. Um, well, you want to, but it just, maybe it's just, a, yeah, go on. You obviously want to uh, keep as much of that energy as you can. It's just channel, channeling it properly. Oh, like, big time. But who do you even talk to about that? How do you learn? Like, you know, because you can read all the self-help books and you can listen to all the podcasts about high performance <laughs> and all that. But like, I don't really know how you or anybody who's, who's listening, because like a lot of coaches and you see it in every age group, get get a bit too into it. Yeah. And then that gets into the, the players and they're like, well, the coach is going a bit mad here. So big time, big time. And that's the big thing is actually when you feed into the players, like fortunately enough, the time now we're 11 points up. So and I look, the players, sometimes you can use that passion. um, like as a positive like one of the players Moffley sent me on a picture there Killian Sampson of me in sports file I never look at it but I was celebrating a turnover like you know and he sent me on a lovely text underneath it um, saying like what it meant to win a Fitzgibbon and stuff like that like so channeling your energy that way is what, what I probably should do more rather than listening on the sideline and stuff like that but look this time last year I had my head under a pillow because of what happened with Keane Lynch and the fact that it was just a negative like because I like I, I know Keane's family well and he's such a gentleman as well like but that like this was a storm in a teacup that thing like that was a thing and nothing um, uh, so nothing came there was just TG Carr zoomed in on it of course at the right time like and had to catch me out for all my friends like so I, a lot of people won't um, remember what happened with Keane Lynch what did happen? so basically a ball broke and uh the Brian O'Mara and himself tussled and I was looking down the line and uh, it sounded like a hurley snapped and Brian O'Mara was on the ground in like you know so it, people started roaring behind me so I assumed Keane Lynch pulled on him so I said to the linesman what, like, all I actually said and people don't understand this is what happened there what are you going to do about it and he said I have it so people jumped in thought I was saying oh get Keane sent off get Keane sent I didn't even see the incident um, and the side, the lines went in, and they got him sent off at the end. Uh, but no, it was the 57th minute and stuff like that. So there was a little bit of leeway between, or a bit of kind of aggro between ourselves and NUIG as well, because that was the same partnership in the final last year. Um, and I suppose both teams tried to use it as motivation to kind of to to get them going and stuff like. So there was a couple of verbals on the sideline, right, that might have led to the the altercation. Right. <laughs> you can you can put you can put you can put two and two together there, John. It's a, it's a multi-layered you know? story here. It turns out we're we're peeling yeah. the onion back. And did you have? Yeah, a... yeah. It, this is like therapy, John. There you go. <laughs> well, I I think here's the thing. Like if we if we sold if it's given cup properly, everybody would be like, oh, I want to see what happens here. These two teams yeah. after what happened last year, and like you know, I understand that uh, there's loads of reasons why we can't do that, but. Um, have you spoken to Keane Lynch since? Like, did you, is that? All? Oh, I did. I spoke to him straight after the game, and I texted him. I texted him after dinner. Well. Like, Keane was fine. Like, Keane was like, "This happens in every game." Like, you know. But I think he kind of misunderstood as well. He thought I was roaring for him to be sent off. Like, and I wasn't. Like, I was just basically, "What the hell happened here? What are you going to do about it?" There, my exact sentences. So, like, uh, you know, and you know, it just it put a bit of stale taste in my mouth in for the Fitzgibbon, you know, because. I felt that, you know, and like you get, look, I got abuse on Twitter and stuff like that. No, they don't bother me too much. Like, but I just didn't want someone like Keane, who I've huge time for. And he, my dad and his dad actually work together in the guards. Um, and I know a family there. They're a lovely family. Like, you know, his mum's a lady. Like, so um, I spoke with that last year. And it just did put a stale taste to my mouth from the Fitzgibbon campaign, you know, that, that someone like him would have been, um, you know, assuming that I was a part to do with him sending off. Like. Yeah. And I, I guess that's it, isn't it? That, uh, it- tensions are always inflamed and it's like yeah yeah I guess that's why it matters so much and I yeah. it's, and it's, then I suppose it's also easy to see how quickly stuff can become massive not just social media but like it gets picked up it gets clipped and away we go so mm. um that's all part of the learning curve 
Like, I just saw during the week there, someone put up a tweet. It was like, uh, how would you become a referee in the day of social media? Like, you know, this social media agent. And, like, I'm kind of thinking, you know, it is that. Like, because, well, my clip was funny. Like, the lads just like me out of being pulled away and laughing. Like, because they knew I would never, I'd never, you know, start a fight in the sideline or anything like that. So that's the ridicule I got. Like, but, like, it is getting more difficult for managers, players and things like that. Because there are people sitting at home taking videos, being able to pre-record, go back over it and stuff like that and put it up. So it does put that extra pressure on officials, on everybody, really, like, you know. Um, and it's just something that I, I don't like, you know. Like, I love seeing the clips of the positive plays. Do you know what I mean? That's fantastic. Like, but just the negative stuff there, because, do you know what? As I said to you there, like, last year, it did definitely put a stale taste in my mouth for the Fitzgibbon. And I don't mind being honest with you and saying that either, like, because, like, it's not something that I was proud of myself because I should have held myself a little bit better. But... Um, but I just think people clipping things and sending it on is very difficult because when you're in the heat at the moment, like your head is head is different. Like, we all can't be like Jim Gavin and sitting on the sideline, composed and calculating. That's why he was so good at what he did. Yeah, I guess though, there's definitely because he he took criticism from people for like not celebrating properly and for not exactly. Being, but yeah, actually, yeah. you know, it turned out that like uh, I'm I'm sure he's very happy now with how things worked out. Could you get to the to, mm. to something not maybe not Jim Gavin, but could you get somewhere mm. different where you're actually able to be? Uh, kind of in between, you know, uh, losing the head and then also actually being totally in control. And is, is that like you have to go and see a sports psychologist for that too? Like, are we getting to that stage now where managers are actually going to start leaning on these things? Well, there's a lot of people hoping and that one one is the 20s manager, Ben O'Connor, that I can <laughs> because <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't want to be pulling me off the sideline either this year with the 20s. Um yeah, you'd have to like you know what I like a sports psychologist. So I said to you last week, I think I said to you last week, I worked with Gary Keegan, like and like you know, I know he worked with Dublin footballers at the time as well. So I'm sure himself and Jim would have had multiple conversations and how to keep calm and composed, like in the sideline and stuff as well. So it is a possibility, like you know, like I I don't think I ever want to take the passion away from it, like because as I said, like some players like revel in it. Like you see, like to compare and contrast, like you see Liam Cahill in the sideline when a team and Liam Sheedy even when the team turned over a ball, the pump of the fist in the sideline and that roils the players, but that's at the right moment, you know, rather than like, as you said, you're you're up a couple of scores with 10 minutes to go, things are going against you and you start panicking on the sideline, it can feed into a player, like, you know, so it's just the body language is the most important thing. And uh, But as I said, look, it's not as if, like whether I proceed to, go on to coaching and managing I still don't know um, but if I was I, I definitely would have to look into something yeah. You mentioned Brian O'Mara there um, picked a fullback mm. at least for Tipperary against Dublin yep. at Croker for that uh, that double header um, so it looks like maybe the Michael Breen fullback experiment is over but I don't know yeah. again like we, we talked a little bit about like getting hurling into players in the league and mm. that's the most important thing is getting players on a you know, up to a sense that you're mm. going to be important for us. You're you're going to feel the weight of the ball in your hand a lot during matches, and it doesn't really matter what happened in how that how you um, manufacture that in the league. But is Brian O'Mara a potential fullback solution long term for Tip? Brian O'Mara is a potential solution anywhere. I, I, I he's one of the best players I've ever worked with um, in both personalities and ability. Uh, I think he's a natural centre back. I think if you were picking a team in the morning, I'd build a team around him at centre back. But like you've obviously got Rowan and Maher as well. Now losing Carl Barton as well is a huge blow to Tipperary because like I, I have a thing there at the moment with Jay like that. If you look at the way most teams set up, they play two inside and one outside. So your days your full back is nearly gone. Like you know, it's like you're picking three cornerbacks. Um, like if you look like Graham Mulcahy for example in Limerick, he plays outside. And you've Aaron Galan and Seamus Flanagan inside. So you're actually playing two inside. So you're either, you can say you're playing two fullbacks or you're playing two cornerbacks, whatever, but you have two inside men and one outside guy. So Brian Amara could potentially go at fullback and follow that 15 rollout or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, but Brian O'Mara, like I hope he goes on to um, fulfil his potential because when people hear him and talk to him, and if anyone heard his speech after the Fitzgibbon campaign last year, summed him up as a as a, what a gentleman he is as well. Um, but I think he could be. I think he could play full back. I think he could play centre back. I, I think his natural position going forward for Tip will be centre back. Though that's interesting, though. If if Tip are you know coming up with the same analysis, and we've talked about you need a plan to to beat Limerick, that maybe they're seeing him as somebody who can fill a hybrid role where he's totally comfortable mm. in the half back line, but also totally comfortable in the full back line for the thirty yeah. percent of the game that he's there, and then thirty percent out, and then yeah. the rest of it is like wandering around. Yeah, like I think, look, I think the league is perfect, and we we said we spoke about this last week. Like, find out if he's good enough in the league to play fullback or not. I think, look, I don't know what Liam Cahill is thinking. Uh, I'd be very surprised if he's not a part of his six backs plan, anyway, as it is. So there's no harm in having you said playing games. He's played a Fitzgibbon campaign at centre back and was a revelation again this year. Um, you've got fantastic players in Ron Amara and in the Michael Breen thing. Maybe that's just to get him out in the wing and see where he's better. I'd say Liam is trying to find out his best position for players at the moment and losing losing Kyle Barrett for the foreseeable is probably a position where he definitely didn't want to lose um, be it Kyle Barrett or another player in full back line um, and then like when it is Kyle Barrett who's one of the best cornerbacks in the country it's it's probably a kick in the teeth to him so I'd say he's just trying to find out a few things about corporate players can they play in different lines like you said It was interesting uh, Henry Sheffin was at the Ireland training camp picture mm. uh, Josh van der Fleer looking up at him kind of wow you're Henry Sheffin it's like that's mm. uh, you know still has that star, star power yeah. this is a really important year for Galway and his relationship with them you know like we, we don't think he's going to be there forever but certainly uh, the start is over this is the middle of it and they're like we'd expect a year three anyway, right? But um, they were they were brilliant in bits last year, and the first time that we really thought that there was going to be something was in the league game against Limerick, and maybe we overreacted, and maybe we didn't. But they showed physicality that we knew they were capable of, and they channeled it right, and they got under Limerick's skin, and they won that game in the league last year. And then they were still able to run them close, but it took a comeback, and it, then also Limerick showed a bit of depth to touch them off in the semi-final. They didn't perform really the way they should have done in the Leinster final. So this is the year where it's like, you know everything you have, you know all your resources, you know your game plan and they should be peaking, I guess, is is the point that I'm getting to at the end there. Yeah, it's like, it's like so we're talking about Henry Sheffin, who's a Kilkenny man, got into Galway and I spoke the same way to you about Liam Cahill there. Like Liam's trying to find out about his own temporary players where they can best suit in positions. So that was Henry's year last year, you know, where he found out that whether or not he was able to play players in certain positions. And as you said correctly, no, he knows. It doesn't add more pressure, I don't think. I think, because I think, look, they're they're one of the favourites for an All-Ireland every year, you know what I mean? Like, as in, well, they're one of the, the top teams. Um, but it'll be interesting seeing how he can progress that team. Like, you know, he's after finding out an awful lot about them. I still think that they're one of the contenders. Like, you know, you've got a handful of contenders. Um, but a big thing for him this year will be to, first of all, get a foothold in Leinster again. Um, and try and win the Leinster Championship like, and then proceed after that but I think again the league for him I think he knows his team probably in the back of his head bar maybe three or four players and that's what he'll be using the rest of the league for last year was to get to know the players now he knows probably the backbone of his team just to fit fellas in um, and he's got a lot of good young fellas I think Killeen that played centre back against us for NUAG is a good bit of stuff like you know um, and so, so he's after adding a few more but I still think Galway will come good. I think he's a very good guy. I think people will obviously look up to him. Like when you when you hear what the Galway players have had to say about him, like about how how happy they are. He's got a good manager team around him, and look, Henry's Henry. Like you know, he's always going to bring a team with him. Uh, in terms then of of like that second tier of teams, because it feels still like we all think Limerick are are out on their own. How yeah. how important is a game like this this weekend? Just to like, does it matter from a collective point of view? Or are you really just looking to see how you do up against whoever Limerick have up when you're on the team? 
Ah, uh, you definitely like see they are the they are holding like you know they are the the team that you'd put your 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 um pin your hopes against like as in finding out what your players are like. So I didn't see the goal, but you know if if it's even out yet. But you might throw two or three lads in that you're thinking about. You know, Limerick or Cork did that with Limerick with Conor O'Callaghan. They did it with um, Brian Roach, I think, and a few more like that. They threw him in and kind of said, well, look, let's see how you are against the best team in it. And then you can start judging those players a bit more. I know Limerick aren't, they're, they're training hard during, again, I assume, but it's still a good way to find out where are you? Where are you? Do you know, are you going well? Are you going poorly? Um, do you know, Claire are probably disappointed of the, the hammering they got the last day, like, you know, so Galway won't want that, like, but... Yeah, it's an important game. It's always an important game against All-Ireland winners. And especially when an All-Ireland winning team are as dominant as Limerick have been, you do want to test your players against them. So I think it's more the performance against them than the result against Galway will be looking for. The other thing about uh, Limerick, right, and, and again, everybody needs a plan to beat Limerick because at some point you're going to have to beat them in, in Croke Park to win All-Ireland. And uh, that's just the way it is when you've got a, an, all-time, an all-time great team like them. Yeah, I guess it's easier for you to do that in Croke Park if you've already done it before I know you know maybe the mm. counter argument is well you're not going to beat them twice in the same year well you might you know you might yeah yeah I, know, I agree I, I don't believe in that statement of you're not going to beat them twice in one year the thing for Limerick is that would they be beaten twice in one year in championship like would Clare beat them in Munster and then go out and beat them again you never know like but I don't look you're going out every day it's an individual game you know um, you know you kind of look at it and say like is this an important, is this a diagonal? No, but it's a confidence building game. That's what it is. And you can't have enough confidence going into the championship. Like, you know, but like, I put it to you this way. If the Galway players go out and get pummeled by Limerick on Sunday and they face him again in championship, that little seed of doubt is going to be in the back of their head. Oh, hold on a second. No, like that, that Kilkenny team in the, in, in the thousands, right? Cork, Cork, obviously I joined the panel late. Cork were the team that put it up to them. But further on, you got like, you realise you don't want to concede a goal against Kilkenny 10 minutes either side of the half because they were the moments that either pulled them away in the second half or got them in the lead at half time but that was because the fear of the previous championships had been built and Limerick are there now so if Limerick go out on Sunday and hammer Galway if they do meet again in championship that little seed of doubt is going to be in the head but if they put up a good performance well that confidence does grow Yeah, I suppose it's trying to just nibble away at Limerick to make them feel more human in those moments when the match is up for grabs Limerick are going to listen they're in such a zone like we spoke last week about Dublin Limerick don't care about anyone else only Limerick Limerick know if they put out their best team and they play to their best performance they're going to beat whoever's out there at the moment and I just personally can't see anyone beating them if Limerick are on form you know like of course the team are going to slip off form they might get an injury they might get a sending off and stuff like that but if Limerick put out a team in the morning it would take one hell of a performance from a team to beat them in perfect performance you know so I think that they're always focusing on that so whether Limerick win the league we saw what last year's league did to them it did nothing do you know what I mean? It didn't show them anything. Like John is trying to get a few more players. You know, we spoke about Mahal Hulahan last week. That's like John's box ticking exercises is adding to his panel. You know, find out can players play in certain positions. That's his thing. So I don't think Limerick will care whether Galway beat them or not. It's just John will be hoping. I oh, look. Well, who, who am I to say what he'll be thinking? But it's a performance. It's attitude and performance is all they're looking for in the league. And from Galway's perspective, it's trying to get a bit of resilience and some extra mental strength and some confidence yeah. into the side. Yeah, and and that and that doesn't come with a result. Like, do you know what I mean? That's the funny thing about the league. Like, it's not based on a result. It's based on a performance. It's can you get 35, 40, 50 or fifty minutes out of a game of consistent level that you know you're good enough to play with them? You might lose two 10 minute purple patches that could end the game, but they are workables. You can work on that. Like, I remember in two thousand and 
if 16 or 17 we lost Kilkenny by uh, I don't know how much above in Kilkenny in, in, in up there and we broke it down like and I know teams could say Irish or if, if Man United didn't score two goals last night they'd lost I know that but we lost two very bad purple patches against Kilkenny in the league and they beat us but for the other part of the game we actually hurled very well and we built on that trying to extend our purple patches do you know what I mean so it's more the moments that you're trying to win and extend your purple patches rather than oh we lost by five points but why did you lose by five points uh, that makes perfect sense we might get into that more over the course of the season the last thing mm. I just want to briefly ask you about before we go here is the periodization and the physicality of the teams like uh, none of these teams are where they're going to be by the time the championship rolls around mm. but because again just making the case that it's, a f- it's not really the first year ever we've seen this but it's it's still quite new that we're going to have the shortened season where you have to be very intense in your round robin to make sure particularly in Munster that you get into the All-Ireland series and then after that uh, you need to get up to it again. So uh, is there any prospect that somebody gets that wrong this year or that somebody gets it totally right and that gives them an advantage? 100%. 100% absolutely. Like, And that's why Limerick have the advantage of not caring about the league, that they don't need the pressure of the league. Like, So they're able to plan their championship training already while the likes of a new manager might be trying to find out players as well. And it's very hard to judge a player if they're being flogged hard during the week. You know what I mean? So like... You you can you can actually and that's why S and C coaches and all these are so important at the moment to peak these guys because as you said they might have to re-peak later on in the year. So I'm sure most counties are training very hard at the moment. Um, you know, and and need a lot of trust in the manager to be able to say, look, we didn't perform this week because we had a heavy block of training. Um, you know, and like you'll see a lot of changes in games and stuff like that. And I believe the reason in changes of games obviously are injuries, but it's to give this guy a two week training block. He's not playing this week. Train him harder than the other players. And stuff like that. So, but it, it's definitely a thing, and like that's the thing about Limerick, how good they've been over the last years. If you look at their All Ireland semi final performances leading up to, they're all a strong, fit, physical, um, and it's like you know, it's like Dublin years ago. Like it's different with with Munster. Like the thing about Munster, we all assume Limerick will get out right, and I, I don't, I don't see anyone arguing against it. But it, from the other four, any three, any any of them could come out. You know what I mean? Like it could be an absolute thing. Dublin were a bit easier in Leinster football because they knew. Barring an absolute disaster, they were getting out, so they could peak their training towards an all in quarter final, semi final, or final. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that a lot of teams will be looking. Some teams are prioritizing the league to get team and a bit of confidence going. Some teams are just using it to get a team together, and some teams are just using it for training. So it really depends on what the manager's ethos and what the manager's beliefs are. All right, uh, time's up on this week's therapy session, Anthony. Great stuff. Thanks, many for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, sure. Thanks very much. Week. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks.